Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers with Janet and Tom on WMNF, a weekly conversation with people making a difference. Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is well-preserved John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation, you can call us at 813-239-9663, and John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Today's Wavemaker is Manny Leto, Executive Director of Preserve the Berg, a nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting the historic fabric of St. Petersburg. Given the pace of development we've seen in the past few years, this is not a job for the faint of heart. Welcome, Manny. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So let's just start with the history of uh, the history of Preserve the Berg. Um, how did the organization get its start? It's been around a long time. It has. Like a lot of preservation organizations, uh, you know, we got our start in the 1970s. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons for that. One is, of course, kind of interstate encroachments. So in St. Pete in particular, you know, you had the two interstate spurs kind of looming and, uh, and entering the downtown core of St. Pete. And you had a kind of a variety of, of things that transpired with regard to the demolition of historic buildings. Uh, there was a, a national uh, bank and trust a building that was demolished in 1977 that was right on Central Avenue. Um, you know, the city was removing its historic hex block uh, sidewalks that are so iconic mm. now. Uh, there was a demolition of a home um, in Roser Park and kind of the encroachment of uh, the hospital into the Roser Park neighborhood. So there's all of these sort of pressures that were that were building and I think nationally the preservation movement in general was building across the country and I think all of that was uh, sort of a response to interstate expansion it was happening in Tampa at the same time happening too. in Tampa and happening in in you know cities all over the nation uh, because you had sort of the combination of uh, you know the f- urban flights you had sort of your your people moving out of your downtown or your in-town core neighborhoods, and then you had your the interstate system uh, coming through and and just wreaking havoc. And um, you know, in in the case of Tampa, for example, you know you have the interstate system really cutting Ybor City in half. Over in St. Pete, you've got again the inter, inter, the interstate spurs coming in a little bit later, and so all of that, I think. Citizens started to sort of wake up and say, "Hey, you know what? What's happening to to these historic properties? What's happening to the character of our city? Uh, what's happening to the core neighborhoods and the traditional neighborhoods of our city?" And uh, and that's where you really get the the national preservation uh, movement kind of really taking up. And you see a lot of these organizations founded, you know, in the 1970s. Although some do pre- predate that, but the 70s is really when it when it got going. So the founder of Preserve the Berg is an interesting person. Um, his name is um, uh, 
Peter Belmont. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, about Peter. So Peter was one of the and continues to be a driving force with Preserve the Berg. Um, I'm not sure that I've ever encountered a a more pure uh, civic activist uh, than than Peter Belmont, and and I, I know that you know there were a, n- a number of other folks involved uh, besides Peter, but Peter has kind of carried on the mantle, um, you know, into the '90s, into the 2000s, and is still you know an active member of our board today. And he was awarded the key to the city, uh, which is a little bit of a a uh, little piece of irony for you know decades of of uh, of fighting, fighting city with the city, yeah. Um, and they recognized his his contribution. Um, so yeah, I mean you know there's been a lot of people involved over the years, uh, but Peter has certainly been uh, part of the the through line of the organization for sure. Um, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, and our guest is Manny Leto, and he is the executive director of Preserve the Berg. If you have any questions for him, or if you want to tell us what is your favorite historic structure, your favorite historic neighborhood in the Tampa Bay area, is there something you want to see preserved or that you're grateful it's been preserved? You can give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email to dj at wmnf.org. And you can even text us at 813-433-0885. Tell us what's your favorite historic structure or neighborhood in the Tampa Bay area. So, um what are some of the big successes that Preserve the Berg has had? I, I don't, you know, I've been in other parts of the world where there really are super old buildings. I mean, the oldest buildings. Hundreds of years old. Yeah. So tell, tell we us. We walk through these cities in Europe and, and just stare amazed at these buildings. How did they keep these? Why weren't they torn down? Well, when you look at, at Bruges, a city that's had historic, historic preservation laws in place for, since like the 1500s or something. Yeah. And in the United States, it took till the 1970s when we were destroying cities with um, interstate. So tell us a little bit about what Preserve the Berg has done in St. Pete. Sure. Well, you know, one of the, one of the exciting things about being a part of this organization is that you know, the fingerprints of Preserve the Berg are really all over St. Pete. And so probably the most iconic um, that would be familiar uh, to folks throughout the, the Bay Area is the Vinoy Hotel. Right. You know. Um, Which at one point was practically ready to be torn down, wasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was uh, It was on the verge of being torn down. Um, you know, and you even had, uh, as you often do, kind of civic boosters. And even the, the Tampa Bay Times uh, wrote an editorial calling for the building to be to be demolished. Wow. And um, so, you know, that's that's certainly, uh, you know, very present in the landscape of St. Petersburg. And, you know, one of the things that I would, would suggest with, you know, saving these buildings is they are contentious. You know, the battle is contentious at the time. But when you look back, no one would say that we were wrong. I mean, no one would say it, it, we should have torn down the Vinoy Hotel. In uh, fact, you could probably make a pretty strong case that the rehabilitation and revitalization mm-hmm. of downtown St. Pete had a lot more to do with the Vinoy than it did with the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, absolutely. Uh, or I mean, Baywalk. They all, they all work. Or Baywalk, <laughs> yes. They, <laughs> they work in tandem, but I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you when you look at sort of what makes for vibrant cities, and there are, there are a variety of things, and it can be sports, and it can be the arts, but you're also looking for walkable cities and you're looking for cities that are interesting, that are varied in their architecture, that show sort of the, the layers of a city's history. And, and, and those are the cities um, 
you know, that you, that you want to go to, that you want to visit and that you want to live in. And, and so you sort of have these conceptual underpinnings of, of historic preservation that are maybe rooted in a, in a bit of nostalgia, but in, in fact, they, they also play a, an important role in sort of the economic redevelopment of, of a city. Uh, you know, another big victory for Preserve the Berg was Roser Park, uh, you know, the city's first historic district. Um, and again, you know, one of its most iconic neighborhoods. Where is that? I'm not familiar with that. So. It's kind of on the, the south side of, of St. Pete a bit. Um, it's it's it, near Old Children's Hospital. Yes, it is, okay. near, it is near the hospital. It is kind of a hidden, tucked away neighborhood, though. Uh, right. It's very interesting the way it's, it's, it's uh, just sort of nestled on a, on yes. a hill as you can say a hill in the Florida, yeah it's but. it's it's geography is very yeah. very unusual for for Florida certainly um you know the hex paver program i mean we walk around st pete the, you know the hex block pavers are this iconic part of of st pete's kind of character and what makes it unique and special you know that was an effort uh, led by Preserve the Berg. Um, so, so what is tell us about that is that it's like illegal to tear them out or that's right they, okay. yes they have to be you know they have to be replaced, so they're removed for construction projects, and then then either uh, replaced with the originals. There's somebody who does make mm-hmm. kind of uh, I don't know if you would call them replicas, but newer ones. Um, but yes, yeah, so that that has to be uh, that has to remain in place. You know, and now it's the logo for Preserve the the Berg. That's right. right. That's, that's right. It's the centerpiece of our logo. Um, the the so some folks may remember more recently the 600 block of Central Avenue the Chrislip Arcade you know that was um, you know that was a situation where uh, the uh, the landlord had um, kind of evicted everyone and was going to to tear down the um, was going to tear down the building and build something new there mm-hmm. uh, uh, preserve the burg uh, threatened legal action and tried to um, uh, historically designate uh, the property and basically delayed the process so that a conversation could be had and the 600 block and the crystal arcade were, were saved and and again part of that as Tom as you mentioned sort of resulting in an economic revitalization and and maybe you know 10 years ago or so you know that's what everybody was hearing about St. Pete was a 600 block so you know these things you know it, it is all related and um but yeah, you can see a lot of the different efforts of, of preserve the Berg, um, you know, throughout the city. The six hundred block, I think, is a good example of preservation of uh, more than just a building. It, it's when I began, we talked about the historic fabric of St. Pete. So put together, it's historic. Maybe individually, they're not. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, early in historic preservation. You really had the preservation of of individual structures. So in places like Savannah and Charleston, cities with uh, historic preservation programs that really predate uh, the 1970s and kind of start, you know, almost after the Civil War. For a long time, the idea of historic preservation was to preserve individual structures, and it, it certainly s- still is. I mean, you know, the Vinoy, an important individual structure, but the movement has kind of evolved. And so now we're talking about streetscapes and neighborhoods and kind of how these buildings fit into the context of their neighborhoods. So ab- absolutely, um, it can be certainly one structure, um, but uh, often it's how that structure kind of fits into the whole, the, the entirety of the, the cityscape. So it can be, 
you know, it can be a historic district, you know, f- for example. So in St. Pete, and that is, again, something that Preserve the Berg um, spearheaded was, you know, there's a national historic district in downtown St. Petersburg. Um, hmm. And so, and, you know, and that in, includes kind of your Mirror Lake neighborhoods, um, your Mirror Lake neighborhood um, parts of, of uh, central so yeah, so it's it's trying to kind of maintain that kind of um, a, sort of a contiguous uh, neighborhood. Like the old Northeast is another example of an historic neighborhood that has been protected in that, St. Pete. That's right? right. That's right. So you know, I think of it as the the Hyde Park of of St. Pete in many. Very ways. much. I was, I was just going to mention yeah. that. Um, so the old Northeast, you know, is a locally designated district. Very controversial at the time. People don't like to be told what to do with their property. Yeah, I mean. It, we, and we we certainly should have those debates, and and um, you've got other historic neighborhoods. Uh, Kenwood, in particular, is one that has that has grown, and they have several kind of smaller districts, or which you might even call like a micro district, um, where they've designated different sort of sections of the neighborhood. And they've done that for a, a, a variety of sort of political reasons. Um, yeah, it, it is a it is a challenge, but we we would argue that the 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 good outweighs the negative, and 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 again, we can build that case whether it's preserving the character of a city or economic development of a downtown area. I think that there's a there's a lot to be said for uh, maintaining and protecting the you know these historic structures. Um, I want to get to a couple of emails. Um, We've got uh, David Bryant. Well, I'm gonna, David, I, I'm going to get to this email in a minute. I'm going to start with Pamela, who is talking about her favorite spots in St. Pete. I've lived 20 years in Northeast, mostly Crescent Lake and Crescent Heights, now closer to the Tyrone area. Rosa Park with its hills reminds me of California where I grew up. I love the brick streets, especially downtown, and Vinoy Park is a gem, should never be used for condos. So much beauty in St. Pete, even the alleys are maintained. The alleys are are a really cool aspect of, of St. Pete. It, it is. And, also, the, and the voters have, have protected those parks that, that they mentioned there. If you change anything in the parks, you've got to get the voters' permission. And they frequently have, have rejected proposals that have, would have uh, overwhelmed those parks. That's right? right. There's a provision, actually, that we were, we were just talking with the city about. There, um, uh, A number of the parks are charter parks, and they're, they are protected. And so anytime you do anything uh, in those areas, it requires... Um, you know, uh, a vote requires kind of oversight uh, by city council and and other entities. And yeah, I mean, it, going back to what you said about individual buildings versus kind of protecting a, a you know an entire area. You know, we would also suggest that you know we we're maintaining or at least keeping an eye on historic structures and what we would say landscapes of importance. Mm-hmm. So the parks are certainly part of St. Petersburg's. You know, iconic character. Its waterfront um, is is so unlike anything uh, that you find, uh, certainly in the Tampa Bay area. Um, so, landscapes of importance. I mean, lately we've been talking about uh, black cemeteries uh, being erased, and so when we talk about historic preservation, that often includes um, landscapes as well. Let's get to. Um, we've got a caller, Jerry in St. Pete. Jerry in St. Pete. Wants to talk about who who designed St. Pete. So Jerry, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hi. Yeah, I went to University of Florida. I think they might acknowledge me. 
<laughs> a landscape architect planner. So, um, yeah, but I've never figured out who designed St. Petersburg. I mean, whoever laid this place out, and yes, you're, thank God you're talking about the parks. It's actually fundamental. Now, I could talk about buildings, too, but your infrastructure, it's the foundation of this whole setup. So you're talking about the grid, uh, the grids of the streets, right? The, the I'm way- not talking about the whole city. I yeah. mean, think about it. That be, from the interstate to the streets to the planning to the integral parks, they're critical. It's like It's not like you have Central Park, which is brilliant in New York, but you have all these parks pervasive throughout the city, which is fundamental to not only to our children, to everybody, to green space. You still have some trees left. I mean, I came back, I come, I've come back here after 35 years. I'm very impressed with the way it looks. But somebody had the foresight to, to figure that out. So your, your, so your circulation system, who did it? I don't know who did it. Good question, so Jerry. What do you think, Manny? Well, I Thanks can... for the call, Jerry. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, I can certainly speak uh, to the park system and the waterfront park system that was, uh, you know, put in place in, you know, 1910, 1911. And that was, you know, very purposeful. And it was, you know, the publisher, uh, actually the, the original publisher of the, of the Tampa Bay Times, which are the St. Pete, Pete Times, Times, which are my two, uh, with. My two uh, hosts today would know a lot about, uh, but that was it was very intentional. That was William Straub, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, and, One of the parks and so named after him. setting aside uh, the waterfront for uh, for the people. Very sad, though, that the St. Pete Times would go from wanting to preserve the waterfront to saying tear down that Vidoy. You know, that, that's it. Just uh, yeah. I mean, I again, I think that you know the role of of. Uh, preserve the Berg is to, in any kind of preservation organization, is to really take that long view. And, um, yeah, but to, to your caller's question, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a St. Pete historian, uh, for sure. Uh, St. Pete, uh, Museum of History would, if would Ray Arsenault is listening, please call in. You know, Ray, Ray Arsenault is your, <laughs> your go to St. Pete historian. But yeah, the, I mean, it is all about intentionality and, 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 and making sure that you're, you know, setting these these spaces aside, and there were a group of people again a hundred years ago or more that that did that very thing in the in the parks. Again, it's such a an iconic part of St. Pete's identity. Let's get to another. I want to read another email. This is from Twinkle, who says, um, "I wish I'd been able to preserve Ringling Towers in Sarasota. Millions of dollars were donated, and yet they still tore it down to build a Ritz Carlton. I had a field trip there with my school, Pineview, back in the '70s, and it was an extraordinary experience. Even as young people, it's a great loss. Thank you for what you do, because future." Gen- Generations will benefit. I don't. Do you know anything about that building? I, I don't. So many great buildings that have been lost, and we have um, David also. Um, Bryant talks about. He says, "I miss the cheese grater building in downtown St. Pete, the, the File Hotel." Well, yeah. the interesting thing about the cheese grater building uh, is what was underneath the cheese grater facade. It was quite a building. That's correct, and that was, I, you know, obviously, you know, wasn't with the organization at that time, but. But my understanding was that it was a challenge to get people to understand that the, uh, quote unquote, the cheese grater portion of the building was a, a facade that had been added. And it was to try to modernize it, it at it, some point. It could have been removed. Um, you know, there were there was there were a lot of um, there was a, a lot of different ownership interests in the 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 various owners of that building were sort of fighting amongst themselves and then preserve the bird got involved to try to preserve the building so you know it ended up 
ended up stretching for uh, many years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that, and that's the thing. It's you, you know, you're trying to be that advocate and you're trying to make make that argument. And some, sometimes you're sometimes you're successful. Sometimes sometimes so, less. So, so that was a loss on on your on yeah. the Berg's. Plan. And this isn't a preserve the Berg project, but one of the things that since we've got people who are talking about buildings that they were sad, sad to see go. I was really sad to see that Kellogg mansion in Dunedin tore down, torn down. I just, it looked like it was fine. They said there were structural issues, but I see other buildings that with much more issues, you know, that um, the Jackson house in Tampa, which looks like you could practically blow it over <laughs> and it's still standing. Um, well, the, you know, the Bellevue Biltmore is another example. Oh, you know? right. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of it is, you know, the ownership sometimes has to, um, be motivated to to uh, to take on the project and 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 do it for the sake of of saving the building. Sometimes and you know sometimes that happens and sometimes again not. Um, we're gonna we've got Larry on the line, so Larry, I'm gonna take your call in just a minute. But if you want to call and let us know um, what your um, favorite historic district or historic building in the Tampa Bay area is, or just have a question for Manny Leto of Preserve the Berg, you can give us a call at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. You can also send us an email uh, to dj at wmnf dot org. And Larry, Larry, you are on the line. Tell us what is on your mind. Hello, how you doing? Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes, I just I, I kind of just just tuned in. I don't know if they mentioned the uh, the African American neighborhood that was sitting there where the dome is. Mm-hmm. And, and and then I had a question: Is what's what's the fate of the uh, old YMCA downtown? I used to work there quite a few years ago, and that's an iconic building. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know if you, you know or not. Right next to the St. Pete Times, literally. Thanks for the next call, Larry. Door. Thank you. So with the YMCA building, you know, again, it's a privately owned building. Um, I know that we have had some conversations with, uh, with that owner. I know that there have, has been some interest in purchasing the building. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's, it's up to that private landowner to make that, uh, to make that decision. Are they not protected? I mean, what may, can you not give a historic designation that would protect them even so that, I mean, because I understand the property rights issue, but if you go into buying something that's protected, then you have to abide by those rules. Do they not? That's right. But um, that's right. So it's a protected structure. Um, You know, there's a couple of different ways that that can happen. You know, the the city can designate a a building as historic or or the owner can can do that. Or uh, in St. Petersburg, unlike in Tampa, uh, an organization like Preserve the Berg can initiate a a protection on the building. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's a protected building, the YMCA, but you know there's really nothing um, nothing going on with it, and it's you know it's up to the owner to you know decide to either rehab it uh, on, on their own or to sell it to to somebody who who will. But it can't um, be torn down if it's protected. Is that correct? correct? Okay. It, it, well, and again. It gets into there's a lot of layers here, but a, a, a locally designated building cannot be torn down. Something that is on the national register, uh, which is a, a, a federal uh, sort of listing or designation, that does not protect the structure from demolition. Um, so again, the your strongest protections are on the local level. And to talk just a little bit about the gas plant, you know, I, I'm not an expert there, so I, I don't want to to pretend to know that. But I will just 
sort of offer this conceptually. Look at all of the time, energy, effort uh, that it's being spent to recover that neighborhood and to um, to remember it, to try to uh, transform it uh, back into to into a neighborhood. I mean, there's really there's nothing left. Um, think about if we had preserved that neighborhood instead. Yep. And all of the time and energy that's being spent today, not to to not to uh, even you know mention sort of the the sort of erasure of uh, of an entire neighborhood and uh, the memories of the people who lived there, grew up there, had legacy there. Um, so there you know there's that component, but also just again from an economic uh, st- standpoint, you know think about all of the time, resources, treasure, all of that that's being spent today. Whereas if we had saved that neighborhood, we, we wouldn't even be having this, this conversation. What makes a building or neighborhood historic? Is it simply that it's old or is there, are there other factors to consider? Yeah, so that's a great question because, you know, a lot of times we, a lot of times the preservation community, uh, you know, it can be, I don't know, construed as, as um, subjective or arbitrary but in fact, there are a number of, of uh, things that make a building historic. And so it can be, um, you know, that something historic happened there. You know, the signing of the Declaration of Independence or, um, you know, in the instance of the Lorraine Motel, the assassination of, of Martin Luther King. George I mean, Washington slept he, there. Right. I mean, so, so you, can have, uh, you can have buildings where, where something significant uh, occurred there. You can also have buildings that are, again— um, Iconic in their architecture or design, um, so something like the YMCA is a perfect example of that, or like say the the Traymore Cafeteria right next door, yeah, uh, or yeah. the uh, you know the shuffleboard mm-hmm. courts or um, Tampa Theater, I mean, Palladium, just about the other side of the right. Bay. So there's some you know these these Palladium. things are are architecturally uh, significant and and unique or uh, exemplify a certain uh, type. Of architecture, um, you know, or it can be um, something more mundane than that. It, again, if it represents sort of a, an era, so think about shotgun houses. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing architecturally grand about a shotgun house, but it exemplifies a, a, a type of architecture that was prevalent at a particular era. Um, in, in particular places, uh, particularly in the case of shotgun houses in the in the South. Um, so yeah, so a, a lot of different criteria can be brought to bear when you're considering what you know what makes a a building historic. Um, we got another caller on the line. We have um, Leslie in Sarasota. So Leslie, um, and if you want to call, give us. You can call eight one three two three nine nine six six three, or send us an email at dj at wmnf dot org. But let's hear from Leslie, calling from Sarasota. Leslie, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hi. Yeah, I want to thank Twinkle for mentioning the the Ringling um, building here in Sarasota. It was a huge travesty when they tore that down and um, destroyed huge, huge trees. Um, on the note of preservation, I'm hoping that there can be some conversation about preserving uh, historic uh, trees as well as um, mangroves, which are technically trees, as um, this area is just growing. Um, I would really hope we can preserve our way of life 
uh, with clean air and water, and it's so important that we have trees uh, to do that in context of uh, the history of this area. Is there anything being done in particular to restore the mangroves along uh, St. Pete um, and the park on the Tampa Bay there that would really help with um, fishing, (laughs) uh, clean water to um, alleviate all kinds of problems made by people? Thanks for the call, Leslie. What do you think, Manny? So, I mean, uh, great comments. I would say that, uh, you know, the sort of those environmental issues are a little out of our purview as a historic preservation organization. But what the caller hinted at, I think, is is um, very insightful. And, and that is that preservation, historic preservation, can touch a lot of different aspects of, of community. And one of those is sustainability. Um, so what we find in historic neighborhoods is that historic neighborhoods typically have greater tree canopy coverage. Uh, they're typically more walkable. Uh, you know, again, on the sustainability front, you know, that 30% of uh, your landfill is construction debris. Hmm. So when we're saving historic buildings, you know, we're also saving items from going into a landfill. Uh, there's a sort of a, a popular saying in preservation that you know the greenest building is a building that's already that's already been built, and so yep. there are these the again there are these when you start really digging into preservation, you're not just talking about again uh, sort of the, on the derogatory side. It's oh well you know your Babe Ruth slept here and you're just trying to save this building, but but when you really dig into it. It's much more than that. It's about sustainability. It's about economic development. Um, it's about walkability. It's about community character. So there's a lot of layers to this beyond, you know, I think that building is attractive. Well, speaking of trees, I mean, imagine if uh, the city was going to cut down the banyan trees in Straub Park. or The banyan trees are, are almost as iconic as the, uh, as the sidewalks. So I, I'm assuming the preserve the berg would also be jumping yeah. to their protection as well, right? Yeah, I mean we we would certainly advocate for that, um, and you know we work with a lot of other groups, including the uh, the Waterfront Parks Foundation, which is a great group that we partner with um, when we're hosting our movies in the park events, and so so you know absolutely there's there's a lot that makes up kind of this iconic character of, of St. P, which is really just this very special place in uh, the Bay Area. We've got um, Don from um, Seminole, Dan from Seminole on the line, and he is actually wants to talk about um, some buildings that are very um, iconic, I think, in St. Pete. Um, Dan, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Oh, yeah. I just was wondering about your understanding of the history of Bay Pines and uh, uh, the Jungle Prada area with uh, that kind of development. I guess at one time uh, I've seen pictures where it was nothing but a dirt road to get out there. And just what your thoughts were on Bay Pine and its architecture. Thanks, Dan. So again, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a historian, so I don't know that I can get into the kind of the, the history of that particular, that particular neighborhood. But the, but the campus itself is an incredible campus. Waterfront I mean, campus. it's yeah. got to be the yeah. most beautiful, beautiful hospital campus I've ever yeah, seen. Right. Not just the location, but the buildings themselves are yeah. really beautiful, and they're that, that sort of Mediterranean Florida architecture, yes. right? Yeah, that, that's that what I see there. Iconic Florida architecture, and Iconic, again, great yeah. use of you know of your waterfront 
uh, spaces as well. Um, and if you want to call and join this conversation, you can call 813-239-9663 or you can send us an email. I've got some emails I do want to get to. Um, uh, someone just said Bayfront Center and I'm thinking that they mean that that was a building that they were sad to see go. I did see a lot of good concerts there back in the day. Um, have to say, although what they have in its place is pretty nice. We've got Gary Gibbons who emailed and says brick streets, hexagonal sidewalks, one-story bungalow homes, garage apartments, all add to the charm. We should take a lesson from the great law of the Iroquois, which holds it appropriate to think seven generations ahead and decide whether the decisions they make today would benefit their descendants. It's frequently associated with the popular concept of environmental stewardship or sustainability, but it is much broader in context. And yeah, you're right. I mean, um, I think that's true. I look at buildings that even 20 years ago, I might have thought their architecture wasn't that interesting. I see them now, and I think that they they look good. You know, just some of the old Florida-style ranch houses that were built even in the 1950s that look, you know, might have looked, seemed kind of boring. But when I look at them, they look super cool in old Florida now. And you don't want to see those torn down. And they're losing them all over the place on those beaches in um, the Pinellas Beaches, which again is a little out of your area, Mandy, but nonetheless. Warm Mineral Springs uh, down in Oh, North the Warm Point. Mineral Springs, uh, right. So the, the springs themselves are historic, but the, but the, the building that was designed by a, a noted uh, architect, a modernist architect, is now threatened by uh, development. But I, I wanted to ask you about this moment of time for, for Preserve the Berg, because we see so many new high-rise condos that are being announced Seems like every week. Yeah. Um, so has that added to the pressure here of preserving these things? And is there anything in particular right now that's being threatened as a result of this development? Yeah, so, I mean, we are definitely in a, a building boom, definitely a, a condo boom, and it, it keeps us on our toes. I mean, you know, as a, we're a nonprofit organization, um, you know, with a small board and a, and a small staff. And so, um, you know, it is, it's tough for us to, to keep up with the pace of development, certainly. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, we are frequently, you know, we frequently find ourselves weighing in on new developments, particularly condo towers and things like that. And, you know, and it's a challenge. I, I will, I will say, um, you know, we're not, uh, kind of anti, uh, these things necessarily, but it's about finding the right development for the right place and, you know, putting it in its appropriate context and fitting it appropriately in, into a neighborhood. And there's some places where high rise condos absolutely work and, you know, that's fine. But and it would be a shame if Central Avenue was lined with high rise condos from beginning to end. Right. I mean, I mean, just imagine the, again, I mean, the, one of the most iconic again, or, um, I don't know, quaint, you know, livable features of St. Petersburg is that Central Avenue is this contiguous strip of small, independent uh, retail restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't find that in in a lot no. of places, and when and when you do, it's maybe a couple of blocks. But it's I mean, amazing. You it's can. A- it is truly amazing. You can walk <clears throat> so far from downtown. You, all how the many way to miles? I mean, you, yeah, a couple but, miles but, but easily. But there's walking, a, next thing you know, you're in. You're in and the it's interesting the whole way. But there's a reason why that works. You know, one is that those storefronts are small. They're affordable for uh, local, uh, independent 
businesses, retailers, restaurants, things like that, they are, again, what I mentioned earlier, they are varied in their types, in their, their kind of their ages, their size, their scale. Um, and that makes for a, a walkable um, experience. When you replace that uh, with uh, modern condo towers, what you're going to get are uh, storefronts that cannot accommodate now those mm-hmm. small businesses. So you're going to get your chain restaurants. You're going to get uh, maybe maybe it's the same price per square foot, but it's a lot easier to rent you know a thousand square feet than it is to rent five thousand square feet if you're a you know if you're a pet food store or something mm-hmm. like that. So um, yeah, so y- y- you that loss is certainly. Um, you know, it's certainly possible. I want to get to a phone call. We've got Jimmy who works in the carpenter shop at Bay Pines VA Hospital on the line. So he wants to talk about those buildings. Um, Jimmy, you're on the line. Tell us what you Hello. know. Um, well, they're awesome buildings. The outside walls are 21 inches thick. The main, the first building was completed in 1933. And um, we um, maintained the buildings and um, we have to work with uh, the historical society, and I can't think of any other buildings in this area that can compare, other than the Don Cesar or St. Pete High, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, working in the carpentry shop, what does that mean? Are you got are you working on window frames? And tell us what you do there to maintain its its historic um, look and 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 stay true to its history. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we are sealing windows um, today. We've been sealing windows because the original windows are still in some of the areas. And, um, you know, so we take um, care and restore them as um, original as possible. Um, like I said, it was the first building was built in 1933, so these are old buildings. Mm-hmm. However... The construction is so amazing that compared to the size of the buildings, the upkeep is is minimal. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Was, and you know, I was just reading an article that that. Uh, thanks for the call, Jimmy. I, yes, yes, ma'am. Thank you. We were just, I was just reading this article that was talking about how uh, you know older buildings are more resilient, be, just based on the types of materials that were used and the type of construction. That was employed, and so it is interesting, right? When you see a building that has been in place for a hundred years, ninety years, or more, and it's weathered all these hurricanes and storms and all of these things, but then you see sort of newer construction, and especially things that are happening in kind of newer uh, or more recently developed parts of South Florida, and a storm comes along and it's all gone. Um, not built to last. It's not built to last. Yeah. Um, we've got an email from Martin who says he sent us a movie. He says he's driving down Central Avenue right now. It says, aside from the apartments that weren't j- there just a few years ago, the last thing you see in the shot is a construction crane on Central. Are, are we in danger of losing that great vibe on Central Avenue? Is that of, of course? I mean, there, there is there are no there are no historic protections on Central Avenue. So anything on Central Ave, just about anything. Well, is there on, a block or, or, or a building that's now threatened as a result of development right now? 
that you're that you're fighting? Uh, well, there. Uh, well, the south side of the 600 block is currently for sale. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it, you know, anything's anything's possible. Anything's yeah. up for grabs. But again, because <clears throat> excuse me, there are no historic protections on Central Avenue. So absolutely, you could purchase almost any building or block there and and knock it down and put something else there. Yeah. What um, about uh, Tampa? You spent many years in Tampa before joining uh, Preserve the Berg. Uh, you were at the Tampa Bay History Center. Uh, before that, you were at the uh, Ybor City State Museum. So what is the difference between Tampa and St. Pete when it comes to historic preservation? So... Um, St. Pete and Tampa, I mean, there, there are a, a variety of incentive programs that are available in each, so that's that's good. Uh, Tampa has a uh, the Interstate Revolving Fund uh, that's available that was created when uh, the interstate was was expanded in the early mid two thousands. St. Pete has some really innovative uh, uh, mechanisms for protection, and one of which. Is a uh, there's a uh, demolition delay uh, process. So when a historic uh, building is uh, you know not historically designated, but a building that's greater than 50 years old uh, is proposed to be demolished, it goes through a review and a and a delay process. We'd like to see that delay process extended um, a little bit longer than it currently is. How long is the delay? Uh, I believe it is. Uh, just a thirty-day okay, but delayed, uh, delay. but not stopped. Well, it's delayed so that that it can be reviewed, and also so that uh, it gives an organization like ours some some time to make a case for for preserving it. But the thirty days is really not not no. great in downtown in Tampa time. right now. There are two historic buildings that a developer wants to tear down and replace with high-rise condos, of course. That's right. Uh, one one, one thing that that Tampa has that St. Pete does not have is an um, uh, the preservation office can do an emergency designation, ah. which is what uh, part of the process that happened with the two buildings that you're referring to on Tampa Street. One uh, was the original home of the Tampa Tribune. The other was a hotel where Clara Barton. Uh, Claire Fry. Claire, Claire Barton, actually, the oh. founder of the Red Cross. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where she she slept. I mentioned mm-hmm. George Washington slept here. Clara Barton slept <laughs> there, but apparently it doesn't matter. You know, the other thing that St. Pete has is if a uh, a new project is within, uh, I believe it's uh, 200 feet of uh, a historic structure, then it also triggers additional review oh, uh, by the preservation office, which Tampa does not have that. Um, you know, and then just a variety of of kind of design guidelines. Uh, are available more um, more robust in St. Petersburg than than they are in Tampa. Although and that, Ybor City has some pretty uh, stringent guidelines. I Ybor mean, City you, does, you but again, as an example, you know, well, you know, here's a great example of of a place that encompasses a lot of what we're talking about. I mean, Ybor City is a national uh, district, but it is also locally designated. There's a its own independent review, the Barrio. Latino Commission, in addition to the Architectural Review uh, Commission, have oversight in in uh, in Ebor. Look at the economic uh, benefit of Ebor City, and the value to Tampa 
of having that place uh, protected. I mean, I think other cities uh, would kill to have an Ebor city. Well, mm-hmm. just imagine if they had uh, appreciated some of the older buildings that were torn down, they would have something more akin to the French Quarter than what we have in Ebor City, which is, frankly, that's, it's the bare bones that are left. Thank God they're there, but... Uh, that's a, that's a, an excellent point. Um, when I talk about Ebor City, I like to remind people what you are seeing is really only a, a fraction of what, uh, what was originally there. And you have an artificial northern boundary, which again is you know, the interstate. Again, that, that example of the interstate kind of coming through um, and cutting a neighborhood in half. But in reality, Ybor City extended uh, you know, way beyond the, the interstate. Um, and again, a little depressing, but any, you know, one thing you can do next time you're in Ybor City, anytime you're walking around in that area and you see a surface level parking lot, that was probably someone's home or a historic building. Um, so yeah, you've, 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 you've really only got a, a little bit of what, what was there. Um, but even that, again, you know, all of Ebor's, you know, all of the other things that people can level against Ebor City, you know, no one would argue that it, it is uh, sort of this iconic part of the city that is important to, you know, again, heritage tourism. I mean, not to, to denigrate any other parts of, of Tampa, but, uh, you know, Ebor City, I, I don't know, how do I say this? It's quite a thing to market mm-hmm. Ebor City. Yes. And, and without it, I think you're, you're sort of looking around for how else do we, do we sell the city. It's easy to look back and, and, and wonder how is it we allowed some of these buildings be, to be torn down. But I think people don't realize the Tampa Theater was almost torn down. That's and it right. was only preserved because the city stepped in and bought it. Now, there would have been people who said, who cares about Tampa Theater? Right, I mean, it's so which gets to you know as we're wrapping up in our final minute. So we do have a phone call. We've got Chris on the line, and Chris will get to you to a minute in a minute. But why? I mean, the three of us here obviously believe in preservation. We love old buildings. We love history. What What's your response to people who say, "Who cares? Let's tear it down. Newer is better." Well, I you know think about all the places that you like to visit when you go on vacation and why you go there. And when people come here uh, to St. Petersburg or to Tampa to visit, where do you take them? Where do you, where do you go to visit? Do International you, Plaza, do you of take course. Them to, do you take them to West Chase to have a look around the, the city? Do you take them to the far reaches of of Carrollwood, take them down take, to Brandon so they could see what Florida really I, looks like. So I, you know, it, it's it's integral for all of the things that we're talking about. Again, uh, community character, walkability, sustainability, small business development. Where are all of your architecture or many? When are where are many of your architecture firms, your marketing firms, your PR companies? Where are they all located, and why are they located there? Um, so I think there's all of, of, of those factors, not to mention sort of the heritage tourism a- aspect of it. Yeah. Um, speaking of heritage tourism and, and architecture and preservation, Tom and I were in Chicago a couple of years ago, and we did an architecture tour that was basically 
buildings over time. So we, it was, you know, it was chronological so that we could see the history of the city through the buildings that we were looking at. That's very interesting. That's exactly right. You should be able to see your city's history through its architecture, its development patterns. It's, it's the way that it has grown and evolved through its architecture, through its buildings, through its, its neighborhoods. And that, that's the, the purpose of it. I mean, we can go out and just uh, construct a, a, a town <laughs> of strip malls and um, uh, suburbs out in the middle of a cow field, um, I, you know. Yeah, does it does it ever feel like you're trying to hold back the sea and, and there's just <laughs> only so much you can do? A- absolutely, but again, I don't think that we're trying to to stop development. I mean, that's a, that's an argument that we that we hear a lot. We're not trying to stop development, but we want that development to fit in well with its with its surroundings. Well, we, speaking of which, that old building in um, downtown Tampa that they want to tear down that got the emergency designation, so the developer put a facade on the ground level to. We'll I'm, I'm doing air quotes, preserve, right. and yeah. it looks insane. Um, we got an email from Annie Ellis who says, two houses on my street of all 1924 homes appropriately sized for lots were torn down and inappropriately sized with no style were thrown up. I live two blocks from Hyde Park and am not protected. Um, to have done it, every neighbor would have had to sign on. Europe keeps its charm and we destroy. Um, and then in a, similarly... Um, we have a question from David Bryant who's asking a question about, um, and I think you'll be able to answer this one because your neighbor, somebody in your neighborhood says, what do you think, Manny, about the ugly houses popping up in Tampa Heights and Riverside Heights? Some of them look like a Borg ship from Star Trek. I'm sad to see the beautiful historic homes being torn down and replaced with these ugly houses. What do you think? Well, I mean, that just goes back to community character and why, you know, I, in Tampa, uh, so I live in... Um, the Riverside Heights neighborhood here in Tampa. And again, you know, I bought in that neighborhood for a reason because it has these varied housing types because it has that history. Um, and it is a, a shame to see some of that go. I will, will say this. I mean, you know, you're, uh, we've talked about sustainability. We've talked about um, economic development. Uh, what about affordable housing? Um, you know, a lot of times uh, you're knocking down a, thousand square foot house, a 900 square foot house, 1200 square foot house. That's a perfectly fine house for a, a young family mm-hmm. for a, you know, a, a first moderate, home, yeah. first home, starter home. We're not, well, they're often tearing down these smaller houses. So the same number of people can live in a much that's bigger exactly house. Right. And so, and so you have to think about that and preservation and preservation of these of these homes in terms of almost in, in terms of, of affordable housing I mean are you manufacturing an affordability crisis by knocking down uh, perfectly fine affordable you know modestly sized homes that that regular folks can can afford and then you are knocking that down and you're building a 2500 or 3,000 square foot Home that only a certain person can afford, and you know, I, I suppose on a certain level, I mean, that's that's your right. But if you own the property and you own the land, but you know, you have to wonder if we could not incentivize and make a better case for keeping these historic structures, these historic homes in in place. Um, you know, it also speaks to you know maintaining the diversity of of particular neighborhoods when. Um, you know, you have uh, wealthy people, uh, uh, more affluent people that can live, you know, in larger homes or waterfront homes. And then 
those folks can live side by side uh, mm-hmm. with more, uh, uh, you know, people of more modest incomes and in a more modest sized home. But when you're just wiping all that away, you know, you're really kind of creating a, a, a an affordability. A crisis in your in your housing market. Well, I think your counterpart in Tampa was Tampa Preservation, and they fought hard to against the Hyde Park, what's now Hyde Park Village, against that project because it was going to be much different than it turned out to be. They were going to tear down a, a bungalow terrace, which is a beautiful little pocket of bungalows. Mm-hmm. The city was going to build a parking garage there, but the neighborhood rose up. Tampa Preservation led them. That's a great. I mean, that's a great point too. I mean, again. You know, you're not going to get everything that you ask for, but you have to be you have to be that voice, and and an organization like Preserve the Berg can can be a voice to advocate for changes to projects. Maybe that that project is going to happen, but we can be there to say maybe it could happen differently. Maybe we can look at a, a maybe there's a different way to a, to approach this. I'm going to read uh, real quick. We got an email from Tina in Brooksville who echoed what you said, Manny. Waste is a huge factor. Preservation means less trash and wasted materials. I like that. The greenest house is an existing house. And then um, somebody else um, once uh, posed a question. um, I think, let's see, is it um, Natalie um, in St. Pete has a question about sustainability. So in about... 30, sec- 30 to 60 seconds. What can you tell me about sustainability and preservation? She's saying that we've got these historic houses that are on the water that do you bother trying to preserve them? They're probably going to get blown down in a hurricane. So do you? is that something that's weighing on your mind, Manny? I'm, well, Climate yeah, change? and a- Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, uh, one thing that's, that's really interesting is that FEMA – has some funding available for the hardening of historic structures oh, that are wow. in in flood zones like that. I know that Hills, uh, I'm sorry, Pinellas County, and I believe the University of Florida is actually currently working uh, on a survey of historic buildings in the in the floodplain and, and and how to care for those. And again, just to touch on that sustainability argument, you know, and I encourage the listeners to look this up. You can find out how much, you know, what materials are going into your landfills in both Pinellas and Hillsborough County. And again, 30% of your landfill material is, is building materials. So when you see those houses just being clear cut and torn down, there's, there's no process to recycle those materials, recycle those windows, recycle those old doors. Um, I always, when they're turning that stuff down, I want that stuff. It's like, I want that for my house. Before can I go, we go get there, it? Let, tell, her, t- tell us how uh, people can get in touch with Preserve the Berg if they're interested in historic pres- preservation in St. Pete. So just go to our website, preservetheberg.org. Lots of great resources on the website. Lots of great St. Pete history. And when's your next movie in the park? <laughs> well, Movies in the Park will return uh in 2023 in April. Great. Great. Um, Thanks, Manny, for being with us. Thanks to everybody who called and everybody who sent us email. Thanks to John. We appreciate all the work that you do for us. Stay tuned for the NPR News, followed by Harrison Nash. This is WMNF Tampa. 